What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there, Internet. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Wittgen, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. Hey, J.D., will there be learning? Yeah, girl. Will there be science? I told you there would. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? But of course. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome How are back. you? I am good. You sound a little, uh, little horse. A little horse? I'm yeah. a miniature horse. I'm a pony. <laughs> a little Sebastian. Uh, yeah, no, I... Um, as y'all heard at the end of last week's episode, a little congested. I had a cold. Uh, yeah. I now feel like I had a cold, but it's like oh, leaving great. my face and body, okay. which is nice. That's great. It's just yeah, some it's not lingering. Yeah. Voice thing. Do you have to let it linger? <laughs> um. Yeah. Very the cranberries. Uh, Love it. And I yeah been just like chilling and drinking some juice and working from home, and uh, feeling okay. It is a squillion degrees in Los Angeles right now. Is it really? It's like a hundred degrees. That like non, non. That's uh, not hyperbole. That's not hyperbole. I was like non paradoxically. That's not the <laughs> word. Maybe I do still have a cold. It's uh, currently ninety five, but the high was ninety nine. That a little is earlier. wild. It is yeah. like sixty two degrees in New York, and it feels like an oasis. It feels like heaven. Hot, hot heat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Brutal. Gosh. Soups, brutes. Don't like Soups, that. Soups, brutes. I know. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I returned to the office this week for my job. Oh, see, is... I unreturned from the office. I got to go hybrid this week and not be in the office all the time. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So I, I mean, I'm hybrid too, but like I, the first time I'm going into the office, um, which is exciting. I had like baby's first New York City commute this week. Baby's first New York City commute. <laughs> Always budget an hour. That's yeah. what I learned. Always give it an hour. Everywhere yeah. in Manhattan, 
takes an hour. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. You want to do this uh, movie? Hop into this little movie booby. Okay. This is a movie from 2007. Okay. From the late oddies. From the late noughties. <laughs> uh, the tagline, and there's only one, so if okay. you don't get it, we're never going to watch the movie. Oh, dang. Tagline is, a comedy about growing up, dot, 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 and the bumps along the way. Is it Little Miss Sunshine? No. S- very right time. Right sensibility, actually. Okay. Uh, not that. It's a coming of age kind of Yes, but a little later in age than Little Miss Sunshine was. Okay. Focus on the word bump. Yeah. That's why I was thinking about Little Miss Sunshine, because it's like the, the car. They're like in that van. Oh, time. totally, totally. No, no. What kind Not of bumps? that kind of bump. Like face bumps? Like nope. acne? <laughs> nope. Like boobs? Nope. Lower. <laughs> Oh. What's um, lower than the boobs? Higher than the knees. <laughs> oh, what? Uh I don't know. I'd say the the plot of the film takes place over about 40 weeks or so. Okay, okay, okay. Is 2007 it? <laughs> comedy. Um now I'm blanking on the name. No, I kn- knocked up. Nope. Are you serious? Okay. Kind of a dramedy, this one, but but a comedy. But it's about pregnancy. The lead actor won uh, or was nominated for an Oscar as like a teenager for oh, this not, film. But not for this For this film. For this film. Mm-hmm. For this, for this film. film. And now uh, would would only be eligible for... Uh, Oscars in a different category. Juno. Yes! Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that was a good one. Yes! Oh, I love this movie. I watched this so many times when it came out. I'm super excited about it. I think it's a, it's a, it's just a different vibe than what we've yeah. done so far. Oh, this is an excellent pick. I also listened to the soundtrack just like on repeat. Oh, for, for real? months, yeah. Oh, I it's love that. It's a really good soundtrack, yeah. I'm sure. It's yeah. on Hulu. So awesome. it's free dollars. Yeah. And I mean I'm Diablo really Cody. I know. This was Diablo Cody's like big Genesis. This is the film that really And for for our listeners, one of the kind of uh practice episodes that we did was another Diablo Cody. That's movie. right. That's Lesser right. Known, one of our, one of our still practice episodes. Incredible on uh, Jennifer's body. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, this is good. This is really good. I yeah, like I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be really fun. The cast is, of course, incredible. Almost everyone in this cast has an insane career, mm-hmm. if not an Oscar nom. Totally. Um, but yeah, so J.K. Simmons, Allison Janney, Michael Sarah, Jennifer Garner, Jason Bateman, Elliot Page. Um, this is good. Olivia something. Uh, Thurlby? Olivia Thurlby, she's great in this movie. Brought that out of the back of my mind. That she is so good. She's so good in this movie. And Honest who blog. Want, who did not want a hamburger phone? Who after? did not want a hamburger phone? I mean, it was everything. Yeah, 
yeah so I'm very excited excited yeah okay this is good I think there's a, a lot of good stuff to talk about a ton I keep thinking like you know what what new direction can we go in like this week you know mm-hmm. um, and this feels like a new direction so that's cool it's a new direction I also think like there's just such a breadth of like stuff to talk about in mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. that like you know I'm, I'm really excited and, and you know again looking forward to seeing like where do you end up with yeah. your stuff yeah I love it and is it gonna be as cool as my stuff <laughs> it's always very different by the it way it is like, shockingly we have never had the same thing to talk about which is fascinating to me yeah, especially when both of us are like, "Bah, I'm sure you're gonna do exactly." Yeah, what like I it was did. so obvious to me, or so, so obvious, obvious to you. Yeah. No, yeah, we just are uh, going for it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, after these messages, we'll have listened or watched Many the movie. Messages. And, and uh, yeah, these th- thousands of ads probably <laughs> are coming up by now. We're deeply sponsored. Um, but yeah, so we'll take a look, 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 and uh, be right back. Be right back. Bye. Bye. Oh. And we're back. We are backity back, back, back. And devastated emotionally. Emotionally? devastated this movie i'm like was a movie that i liked Rewatching this movie it is a movie now that i love this is i think like new like jump to one of my top movies yeah i i loved this movie when it came oh out. yeah i, I really loved, really liked it i mean it was just so i the way i remember it is like so like uh quirky and delightful and like totally. there's funny like lines in it the way the they talk is, is funny and weird it's awesome yeah like a fun kind of like also did you hear vernacular. The, the one who who won an oscar for writing it used to be a stripper like the, yeah. those like that totally like, where it was like oh my god that's fun yeah um the soundtrack obsessed i started i listened to it this whole weekend yeah um but uh, and you know, Ellen, uh, Elliot Page is, Elliot is Page, our age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elliot Page is our age. Also, uh, we should give a little. Uh, so, as we mentioned in the intro, Elliot Page. Uh, I think we mentioned this. Elliot Page uh, came out and has transitioned. So, as we talk today, if and when some character stuff comes up, we will be referring to Elliot as he. However, Juno will still be using she/her pronouns for as the character is yes. female. Uh, I'm mainly giving this to say that. Uh, Elliot Page is and has always been a trans man. Therefore, Mm -hmm. referring to Elliot Page by his former name, by his old pronouns, even if at the time those were the pronouns people were using, not not the pronouns to use. Now, easy to make the mistake, easy to make the error. Uh, Therefore, like, if and when we do, which we probably will, we're just going to be like, oops, yep, sorry, correction, and then move on. We're going to keep those corrections in, y'all, because I think it's important to recognize that, like, these changes can be unsmooth for for those around and that's okay they don't have to be smooth they don't have to be perfect so um i do want to name that you know should it should it come up um but yeah uh juno of course she her pronouns elliot he him pronouns and we'll do our best to hopefully get that right throughout but again absolutely yeah um great sorry great level setting no that's awesome um but yeah like he's our age like i felt 
Also I looking know, so, so good on the Oscars. I was like, dang, uh, Jock. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, love it. Um, so, th- you know, it was fun from that perspective. Uh, I Obviously, Juno is like the f- cutest little quirkiest character. Um, yeah. So fun to watch. Uh, but seeing it now, like I, first of all, Jennifer Garner, like, oh get out of here. How does she not have God. an Oscar for this? How does she not have an Oscar? Period. Like, I just, yeah, I know. She was unbelievable in this. And she's the one, I mean, I was so caught up in her emotional journey. Yes. That, like, it hit me so differently. You know, the thing that I think, let's let's synopsize this real quick. Okay. It's not yeah. a super long story, to be, on, right. to, to be honest. So, uh, Juno McGuff, 16 years old, uh, it opens with, with her sort of seducing a boy um on a chair in somebody's attic or something like an old school chair where two 16 year olds have sex during the summer during the summer uh she very quickly finds out she's pregnant well two months and four days later finds out that she's pregnant uh and very quickly goes to her friend and decides to get an abortion goes to the abortion clinic gets spooked when somebody gives a fact to her that Suchin gives a fact to her that she that her baby has fingernails, even though she yes. doesn't know how old this baby. Like she has no right. idea at the developmental state which this baby is. Right. But Juno gets gets freaked, gets spooked, and decides um, to keep the baby and give yeah. the baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, confronts her dad and stepmom, played brilliantly by J.K. Simmons and Allison Janney. Another two people that are just exquisite in this film Incredible, yeah uh and then through an ad in what's called the penny saver like the coupon clipping did you did you have the penny saver no we didn't have that uh, so we have the penny saver like on long island oh so yeah I was, it's like for like yeah. coupons and stuff right yeah yeah uh finds an ad for a, a couple looking to adopt uh so basically saying like we'll adopt your baby please mm-hmm. meets jason bateman and uh jennifer garner a uh, young, wealthy, married couple living nearby. They're in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In, uh, they're in St. Cloud. And uh, decides, to, like, plans to give them the baby. She really connects with Jason Bateman, really does not connect with Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she respects her in a way. I, I feel like she thinks she will make a good mother. I think she knows that, yeah. And yeah. I think she's, like, down. She's, like, this person seems really excited to yeah. have a kid. This person seems, like, in it to win it. Yeah. Ergo, heretofore, I'm down. And she also yeah. says, like, they, they you know, they bring in a lawyer very early on, and they're, like, would you like to be compensated? Like, we'll pay the medical bills, but, like, would you like any sort of... And she's, like, no, I'm not trying to sell it. Like, I just take it. Like, just don't... Yeah. Just, just don't let me... Life. Let this be yeah. somebody else's miracle. And, like, this is a very yeah. dry and very sarcastic... Um, Juno is, of course, an, ins- an uh, un- incredibly dry, sarcastic person. Yeah, yeah. How how would you describe what happens between the, the development then of the relationship between Juno and Jason Bateman? Uh, I my first gut instinct was like grooming, but it's not. It's like it's just an inappropriate relationship by a man who is in, very immature, and um, well, they like, have shared interests. Yeah, they get they he, become very close. Yeah, and. I think, I think what's going on in it is like, 
you know, Juno has not connected to anybody, like, in that same kind of... There's very few people that Juno really connects to, but the people that she does connect to, it's, like, really tight and cool. And this older guy, like, she's really connecting, and she doesn't understand why it's not okay to, like, hang out with a married man. And you can really see her not... Like, the innocence with which she doesn't understand and, like, thinks that she's just uh, enjoying this connection that she has, but I think from Jason Bateman's perspective... She is a reminder of yeah his uh, kind of for like foregone dreams yeah and things that he has wanted to accomplish uh, that he didn't that he is yeah. now in this in this like marriage in the suburbs you know there's a all of his hopes and dreams are relegated to a room yeah. in the house you which know which Juno so, really points out to him repeatedly. Totally. Um, and simultaneously, Juno develops a more distant relationship with Jennifer Garner, like sees her from a distance at the mall or like does these things. But is really yes. Juno's really watching to see this this character and sees how much she wants to be a mom yeah. um, in a way that Juno has no interest in at this point is so disconnected from entirely in a way I, I love in the when they first meet and uh, Jennifer Garner kind of says how much she wants to have a baby, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and Juno's explaining how bad it is. And she's like, well, you're lucky it isn't you. And they don't even, they don't even touch the moment. They just keep going. You, you get to see Jennifer Garner's face briefly. There's a pause. But then they, like, no one comments to her, like, hey, let's read the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, so that couple is supposed to be kind of like our age now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like developmentally appropriate that Juno and Jennifer Garner don't have a lot in common. Exactly. And it's a problem that her and Jason Bateman do have a lot in common. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so so that that commonness sort of comes to a head Mm -hmm. when Jason Bateman doesn't quite make a pass at her, but says he's leaving his wife. Um, while sort of slow dancing with Juno in a way that I don't think Juno, I really don't think Juno is in any way developing like a sexual or romantic relationship with this. No, like that's it's, this man. it's such uh, purely friend. Like pure intentions and yeah, friendship friend, in a way kindred that, is, spirit. that I, uh, you know, it it only highlights more that like she's a child. She's a child. Yeah, she's sixteen. Um, she freaks out, and. Uh, tries to leave and as she's trying to leave uh jennifer garner shows up Mm -hmm. and is like what did you do like really knows something he did clearly you see the tension in that marriage you see the tension in the marriage i mean there yeah and uh juno sort of has a panic and a crisis um beautifully done in the storytelling uh then writes something out on a piece of paper drops it off on the doorstep uh, Jennifer Garner opens the door and and reads it, and then you don't really get her reaction from it. Right. Um, all the while, Juno's trying to navigate her romantic relationship with being in high school. Polly Bleeker, with, with Polly Bleeker, Michael Sarah, like Michael Sarah. This boy, she is still having kind of. I mean, her the same kind of adolescent journey, right? Which is she likes this guy, and she is afraid to like you know, be with him, and meanwhile, she, like, is pregnant with his child, but it's still this, like, will they, won't they, can they, you know, it's it's such an interesting, like, way to tell the story. It's such an interesting way to tell the story. Um, They have sort of this very friendly 
companionate friendship that sort yeah. of seems to sometimes involve like one time involve sex but yeah. primarily be like let's hang out let's like play guitar together let's like talk yeah. about stuff but casually very casually it does seem like he's has uh like interest in her romantically yeah and she clearly likes him but is not sure how yes. to say it yeah um they have a bit of a falling out but at the sort of peak you know moment and then they come back together really nicely it's, yeah it's while just she's a typical still super like pregs. high school yeah like your high school like does he like me does she like me will we be together like you know, it's the typical, which is very sweet. This yes. is like what she is going through. I just want you to tell me you like me. Yeah. And that you still, that you still like me, where, where how I am. being vulnerable and being able to admit that to somebody else, knowing that you may be rejected. Yeah. It is like the quintessential adolescent romance, romantic experience. Yeah. And, and so they kind of come back together. Um, Juno goes into labor Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, has the baby, um, get, you know, still gives the baby to Jennifer Garner yeah. who, and we'll talk about her story a little bit, you know, as we get a little further in, um, but g- gives the baby to Jennifer Garner and the f- film kind of ends with Juno and Polly spooning on the, mm-hmm. oh no, well, the, the climax of the, the drama at the end, uh, Juno and Polly spooning in the end. Uh, Jennifer Garner uh, holding the baby in the nursery with a framed of the yellow sheet of paper yeah. that says, um, if you're still in, I'm still in, Juno. Yeah. I forget what her name is in the, the Jennifer Garner. Veronica? Gardens. Is that right? Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah. Vanessa, yeah. that's right. Vanessa, if you're still in, I'm still in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she gives Jennifer Garner the the baby, which of course you kind of see coming. There's a beautiful moment in the nursery with. Uh, I that's when I was bawling. Yeah, I I, I, I was crying I was during that as well. Lost my mind. Um and uh, and then it ends with um, with Juno and Polly playing guitar together, having their little their little romance band, in the summer, their little romance like, in the yeah. summer and kissing. Um, yeah. So this movie, I think, is just. A, a hug it is yeah. a devastating hug it is like an unbelievable reminder of like the nuance and depth of like human emotion and relationships yeah I mean it feels like these parallel journeys between like people in their mid-30s who are navigating a marriage navigating life goals and then a teenager who's navigating being a teenager and there's this weird thread you know perpendicular with their lives of where they cross yeah. over uh and that's the only reason why these parallel lives yeah. should intersect you know it's like totally. it's just interesting well and it, you, you know you make a really nice point this movie came out when we were his age elliot's mm-hmm. age yes and now we're watching it at the age that jennifer garner's character yeah is um you know i in re-watching it it's funny because this was the thing that made elliot page famous like very famous Absolutely. He was done in stuff few, before that, he'd done which X-Men, I didn't know. Yeah. He'd done a few yeah. little things here and there, like smaller roles, but this was yeah. like a, a star tour. And what's so funny is, you know, this character of Juno, like this character, she's so uncomfortable in her skin and so doesn't fit the like typical girl. And yeah. like in hindsight, it's like, yeah, this trans guy as a teenager so perfectly embodied this like Aval 
not your every not your every girl given that he's not a girl right right and then just the way in which his relationship and the way he embodied this like character who felt so far away from the idea of pregnancy and motherhood yeah and is just like brilliant like i think i so think that Elliot Page was exactly the right person at that time. And again, I don't think, I think he's talked a little bit about coming out and things like that. Like he was not really aware of his transness at that time. Sure. It was more, he was experiencing a lot of dysphoria, but not in the way that we. Yeah, he may have been tapping into something. I mean, I think it's so it's you know. beautiful to see like his pain and discomfort. I mean, even just that line, you know, now him being an adult man and seeing him playing a teenage girl in the line, I don't know what kind of girl I am. Yeah. You're like, dang. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. It is like profound. I just thought yeah. it's just, it makes me, it, re-watching this makes me like him so much more as an actor Absolutely. to really see like, you know, what, and in a way, again, not to belittle or minimize the like trauma of, you know, being trans and having to live a cis, you know, a quote unquote, like cis experience, but the sort of way in which his experiences so uniquely and deeply inform this character, I think is just really incredible yeah, to see. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it really like, you know, a lot of people when someone will, will come out as trans will, or, or come out in any kind of way will often feel really like lied to. Or really like mm. upset, you know? Why didn't you tell me sooner? I wish I'd known. I can't believe this was all. And I really think like his body of work really shows that it. He's learning and growing and figuring this out too in his yeah. work. I don't know. I just was really like. Yeah, it gives such a deeper appreciation for that art. Yes. That he he created. Yeah. Yeah, I just think he's unbelievable, and I think Juno is such. A delight of a character but yeah I I remember watching this and just thinking like wow I really didn't expect it to turn out like in Jennifer Garner by the end and now watching it even from the beginning I'm like no she's fine like she's fine I, but as like an as a teenager who's like cool and can't oh, relate totally. to that I mean yeah. the moment you meet her I was in love with her like I mm-hmm. was just felt so I mean I I felt uh like Similar to, you know, she tapped into things that I feel at my age now. Totally. Totally. Um, Yeah, I was weeping at the end. Um, Starting when when Polly leaves the track meet, I started crying. He just knows. He just just knows. knows. (laughs) He just wants to be there. Um, That scene, Alice and Janney, man, I mean... That scene where she's, it starts, you start loving Alice and Janney because her relationship as, uh, as Juno's stepmom mm-hmm. uh, it starts a little frayed and a little yep. irritated. And then yeah. really like, she so steps up when Juno tells her and she's like, she's like, well, we got to get you uh, on some folic plan, acid and right? some prenatal vitamins. Yep. Um, they do great things for your nails. Yeah. Also the fingernails thing. And she owns a nail salon. I did. So it took good. me a second to get when Juno's like, apparently it has fingernails. And she goes, it has fingernails. You don't say. Like, nails are her favorite <laughs> thing because she right. she's a nail tech. Right. Um, yeah, that's that starts and off And also, being... this is something that occurred to me, too, is uh, the blue slushy in the urn. Yeah. And she asks her about it. Like, at the time, I was like, oh, man, like, that's hilarious or whatever. And watching it now, I'm like, 
What the, like, what a little shit. For what like... a little shit. <laughs> also, she's pregnant, so she barfs. Right, right. That, I didn't, I don't remember that I caught on to totally. But yeah, what an, what an asshole. Like, yeah, Brenda doesn't deserve that. Brenda doesn't deserve that. You know, I gave up a lot for you, Juno. When, you know, with your allergic to dogs. So when you're, you know, when you move on, I'm getting Weimaraners. <laughs> she does dream big. <laughs> Whoa, dream big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, no, she's that that when she yells at the X-ray tech, the tech it's yeah. just yeah, it's perfect. Um, yeah, so she yells at this. Sort of segues actually into some of the research that I did. So I had a really really hard time uh, with this one because I wanted to look at the research on um, teen pregnancy, on, like, the outcomes as to whether the teenager uh, gives the baby up for adoption, whether the teenager terminates the pregnancy through abortion, those kinds of things. Oh, my gosh. The research is so vile. Uh, yeah, like, like I couldn't you... even... Just the premise. Like, yeah. you know, we talk a lot about this, right? We're like, the, the question you're asking is deeply informed by culture. It is deeply informed. It, it's already biased. Just the yep. way you ask these questions. Yep. And, you know, one of the things I started to look at, because it's, you know, research I'm usually pretty um, comfortable with and fluent in are like... Um, uh, like outcomes uh, but, or like um, social psych stuff about like predictors and risk factors yeah, yeah, for, yeah. but like finding something about the risk factors for teenage pregnancy. That doesn't in feel a way, so like, um, like there's an agenda, right? It, that's, that was the hope. And the problem yeah. is like, as soon as you start reading the research, it all starts with like much, much higher in like um, teenagers of color in a way that you're like, I already hate that you're, yeah. that you're in any way starting race as a conversation about this and you're not talking about social support you're not talking about I found education one 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 thing that I that I was okay with in terms of um locus of control and Mm -hmm. how like your locus of control meaning do you think internal or external for those listening so um what has power in in the world or in your life is it is it internal like you have power or is it external like the world has the power to make changes do you think the universe is doing things to you to you or do you think you 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 do things to the universe yeah exactly Um, and, and, and a high, highly experienced external locus of control um, and, and basically allowing others in decision-making, mm-hmm. um, prioritizing others in decision-making actually makes people more likely to have teenage pregnancies. So that, that was kind of a, fe- a thing that I found mm. that felt non-racist, non-misogynistic, non-horrible. Yeah. But, but really, I, like, I wasn't even comfortable doing a lot of that research because it was just so broken. And it was yeah. just so... And it was all coming from this place of what's going wrong with teenagers that like right. even just the way they're asking those questions really it hurt, all sounded like hurt. that x-ray technician basically it all sounded like that yeah so that x-ray tech in the thing when she's like no i'm giving the baby up for adoption she's like oh that's that's a relief or something yeah. like that like thank goodness for that oh thank goodness for that yeah and uh and allison Janney really jumps down her throat mm-hmm. um you know, and, and the reason I think, I mean, obviously the reason why I was uncomfortable with a lot of that research, it, A of all, I don't think it's good research. Like, I think it's bad research, just the way mm-hmm. it's framing things. And, you know, the thing I love about this movie is Diablo Cody is like a feminist, like pro-choice, sure. uh, you know, and, and she's created this this film that is a very pro-choice movie about choosing to, you know, carry the pregnancy to term yeah. and then and then give the baby up for adoption. Like a very, yeah. but in a way that is never about it being the holy thing, the right. spiritual thing. Or the right thing, thing or she's right like more, morally superior or something. Never, never, yeah. never, never. And, um, you know, a lot of these characters that you would think 
might be the sort of pro-lifey characters end up being they really end up being the ones that you love the most right the mm-hmm. the um the stepmom played by Allison Janney um what's her name Brenda Brenda Bren that's yeah. right they call her Bren yeah. a lot um or even uh Jennifer Garner's character right that's like of course like a baby like a baby carrying a baby is the most sacred Isn't, thing you can do it's so beautiful yeah, it's yada yada blessing. yada so suffice it to say I did not do any of that research because mm-hmm. it's broken and gross Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like it didn't really respect what the movie was. So what I did do was I actually, you know, I'm, we, a lot of times we have things where, uh, you'll ask me my thoughts on like clinical research and like, mm-hmm. you know, therapy things. I decided to bring some facts about brains and pregnancy and motherhood and kind of like tell you about some of these facts that I found. Um, and then hear like what your thoughts are as, you know, a cognitive neuroscientist and what you're understanding because you understand the brain way more than cool. I do. Yeah. Um, so one of the main things I wanted to look at was the concept of like pregnancy brain or momnesia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another area where I had a really hard time finding articles that were not real gross. Yeah. Um, so the thing that w- so pregnancy brain or momnesia is usually this thing, um, in which that about 80% of women, uh, you know, say they experience where while they are pregnant, um, they report uh, deficits in um, in memory. Primarily, it is memory. A lot of times, they'll um, people will conflate this with quote cognition, basically meaning like moms don't think good, mm-hmm. which is gross. Yeah. Uh, so I had to. So I I um, did not want to lean into one of these. Like, there's a lot of blogs and things like that that are like, let's talk about pregnancy brain in a way that is like deeply misogynistic and broken. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what we found here is that this does exist, right? 80% of women uh, experience this. Um, and so some of the factors that lead to this is uh, while pregnant, um, women have 15 to 40 times more progesterone and estrogen marinating in the brain during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So these hormones affect all kinds of neurons, obviously. Um, and so by the time... And also then our our old friend, um, oxytocin is surging by the time the woman uh, delivers. Oxytocin causes the uterus to contract and the body, Mm -hmm. and it makes the body produce milk. So these these loving hormones that we've talked about previously in um, Now and Then and in something else, we've talked about oxytocin a little bit. So so all of that stuff is, is going on. Um, but I found some interesting research that is talking not about the deficits in how this impacts memory, but the benefits of what is going on in the brain. Cool. So like the good side, because we only hear these like bad things. Right. So, um, so a, a recent review that looked at like 20 studies of over 700 pregnant women and 500 non-pregnant women found that, um, that general cognitive functioning, memory, and executive functioning show significant reductions in pregnant women. This is not a permanent change. Let me name this. And also the, the, one of my favorite ways that, that I saw this written was um, that this does not uh, show brain capacity. We're naming a few things that are factors that are, that are measurements within like brain performance. That is not to say that overall capacity, overall performance of the brain is reduced certain things that we look at so but what's interesting is those changes are likely to be noticeable a of all despite being statistically significant only noticeable to the pregnant women and those close to them uh maybe not likely to affect job performance Mm -hmm. huge 
thoughts, feelings, reactions before I could see some face. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, okay, so I think, uh, I don't know too much about, like, momnesia, but I think in terms of memory, it's primarily, like, working memory and short-term memory, right? Yes. It's not, like, impacting yes. their long-term memory. Correct. So we're talking about the frontal lobe. Yes. Uh, we're not talking about, like, the hippocampus. Or and the, the yeah, and the temporal yeah. lobes. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about, like, executive function, um, and exactly what you're talking about. It makes sense that performance might be impacted. Um, I'm also curious as like what the measurement was. Was were they doing imaging studies or behavioral like tasks? Uh, there, these are um, studies looking at uh, like a lot of like volume specifically. Okay. So that's imaging. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a difference between functional magnetic resonance imaging and yes. structural magnetic resonance imaging MRI. Um, and so functional, that's like where you see the pretty pictures with like mm-hmm. all the colors on them. And it's moving. And that tells you about blood flow in the, mm-hmm. bl- in the brain, which is a, an assumption that's supported, but still an assumption uh, that there's activity in the brain where right. there's blood in the brain. Right. Uh, and so this is talking about, yeah, like transient changes in blood flow representing supposedly like what is activated in the brain mm-hmm. at any given time in order for you to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, structural MRI is more about volumes and the actual density or you know volume of your brain um, and that can so there's differences in the volume mm-hmm. yeah and this there, is not permanent yeah that's interesting so um, so and then in some of these like more functional tests uh, so one of the things that it, this is in rats this is not in humans but mammalian um, rats score higher in tests of attention, foraging, and planning. Uh, mother rats, so rats that have given birth, actually show higher scores in attention, foraging, and planning than peers who have never given birth, mm. um, which is likely, obviously, you know, shows that they're better able to provide for and, like, care for babies. Uh, sure. In humans, um, they found that after the first few months after giving birth, so now we're looking at the, this is the, we, we started with the deficits, and I'm naming now where the benefits are going like where is the increases okay so um what they're showing is they often have increased volume in the hypothalamus striatum and amygdala gotcha so these areas are essential for emotional regulation and parental motivation and then also increased volume in regions that govern like decision making uh, making and protective instincts yeah okay yeah yeah so it sounds like uh, selective attention mm-hmm. may be playing a bigger role in terms of like exactly. focusing your attention on what matters, which is survival and protecting your young, yes. protecting your offspring, and not caring about like what did I eat for dinner last night? Exactly. Yeah. Or why did I? What What was I going into this room for? Yeah. Because who right? cares? Am I thing? alive or am I not alive? Is my baby alive exactly. or is it not alive? Yeah. Uh, additionally. Uh, many women exhibit blunted physiological and psychological responses to stress. So yeah, what sense. we're really starting to see is ways in which like this brain change, these brain changes can afford the mom and the baby protection from potentially like adverse experiences and taxing so and like stressful situations. Superpowers, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> and also in the postpartum period, the hormones that um, sustain breastfeeding maintain these dampened stress responses. So remember when we talked on uh, Now and Then about like going and connecting to your female friends as a way to like resolve high stress situations, right? So yeah. this oxytocin is also being seen as a way to like dampen 
stress responses. Additionally, another fun functional thing, pregnant women have been found to be better at recognizing fear, anger, and disgust on others around them. So it means they're actually more sensitive to the emotions of others, which... Is it negative emotions? Yes. So it's threat. It's threat Yes, exactly. So it protects from... um, so it, survival, right? So yeah. the, the idea they are that in they are particularly vulnerable, so they are extra, extra good at identifying and, um, you know, really adapting to changing these things. And so um, another thing shows that hormone exposures in pregnancy, like high levels of estrogen and oxytocin, are ex- associated with heightened maternal responsiveness and then just like general sensitivity to the environment, right? So Love what that. does this baby need? This thing that I cannot speak to directly, yeah. I need to be interpreting things well. Yeah. I need to be able to read the minds of this baby and of the things around me on account of it is, you know, all going on. This is the mother hearing the cry in the middle of the night and waking up immediately. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, And then the last thing, um, the very last thing. So uh, this is my favorite one. Uh, (laughs) So some evolutionary biologists have actually started to look at the fact that the development of these maternal behaviors, the way that these maternal behaviors change the brain could possibly be the primary force shaping the evolution of the mammalian brain entirely. Interesting. So the ways in which these changes are happening and, and happen at such a quick rate, right? Because to have such a short period of like pre like prenatal, natal, and then postpartum, um, or yeah, uh, postpartum, all of these things, right? It's such a small window yeah. of actual time. And yet it's possibly that like, uh, they, these things that we're seeing can be intensified with each successive pregnancy and then can sometimes per, uh, persist throughout the lifespan. And so um, basically what they're saying is these incredible adaptations are, um, aren't necess- are, are achieved maybe with some cost, and that cost being what we think of as mom brain. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. all we ever talk about is, quote, mom brain, which is right. gross and misogynistic or like, um, this like pregnancy brain or all these things right. were like, brr, women. I'm so dumb. Yeah. Women are so dumb. That baby yeah. takes all the woman's brains away. <laughs> um, and also just if you look at like the flip side, right, where we start to talk about like all the sensitivities and all the ways in which, um, you know, these women are kind of uh, like extra heightenedly aware of other people's emotions. It's like, God, she's so sensitive. Yeah. She has to be. She has to be. That's interesting. On account of men. Because <laughs> they're not helping. That's for sure. Not once. That's what I got. Love it. Okay, so I think the evolutionary perspective I really like, and it sort of ties into something that I was looking into, which is um, basically like people uh, want, like there's a pervasive kind of like idea that having children uh increases like your life satisfaction right like makes you right gives your life meaning like totally there's um you know these these beliefs that that people have studied of like you know uh the statement like you cannot really be happy without having children this kind of like pronatalist attitude um 
and they assessed it kind of uh, like a, internationally. Um, but basically, there's there's it's an overwhelming amount of people who w- report wanting to have children. Ninety to ninety five percent in right. one study. In another study uh, in Britain specifically, it was eighty five percent. But there's also some kind of cultural differences, like these pronatalist attitudes are strongest in Eastern Europe, Asia, and Africa, more moderate in South America and South Central Europe, and weakest in richer, uh, richer countries, U.S., Canada, Australia, the Netherlands, and Nordic countries. Okay. Um, there's an interesting thing, though, about there's a lot of studies that show that um, life satisfaction actually decreases after you have a child. <laughs> Wow. So people who have children, and this has been like decades of studies have shown people who have children report lower life satisfaction, lower marital <laughs> satisfaction than childless like marriages. So um, it is this really interesting thing. Like this study was like, why do people still think that having kids is like something that, A, that they want in general, you know, there's an overwhelming yeah. amount of people want children. And that people also think that this is will make your life richer, happier, whatever. I believe it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I am like, I want kids. It'll make my life, you know, all of these things, right? Like totally buy into it. Um, and there's like, uh, yeah, these studies that show like well-being goes down the toilet. <laughs> um, Dang. And uh, yeah, so there's one study uh, with, yeah, parents reporting lower marital satisfaction compared with non-parents. Um, parents showed sudden deterioration following birth on observed and self-reported measures of positive and negative aspects of relationship functioning. <laughs> so it's like not a good time. <laughs> no. Um, and and this, like importantly to, to kind of talk about, it, this does vary as a function of like country or, or uh, country of origin. So for example, uh, it has to be said like it's way worse in places like the U.S. and Australia but not as bad in Nordic countries where there are, you know, policy uh, unbelievable and social cultural, support. yeah, cultural differences, paid family leave, paid family support, leave, yeah. you know, so those uh, kind of negative, like uh, self-reported kind of like negative experiences are, are attenuated in like countries right. with more support for new parents. Um, but like this person, this article, you know, is trying to figure out like what these myths about parenthood and like, thinking that that will increase your your well-being your your life satisfaction why are they still so pervasive right and there are some like evolutionary perspectives on it um but basically you know maybe we are pre- genetically predisposed to wanting to be parents from you know an evolutionary sure. perspective to right pass i mean on it, genetic it continues material. the species yep and this idea that you know children give life meaning and purpose um, and if you have that attitude and you have offspring and it is a genetic, you're genetically predisposed to have that attitude, right. you're also potentially passing that attitude to your offspring who will also want to oh. have children. Um, yeah, and so it's smart. like passed down through perpetuating across generations. Um, there's also... Talk about uh, intergenerational trauma. I know, right? Um, <laughs> something that... Uh, you know, people are yearning for really life meaning and purpose. And so children can be one route and socially acceptable route Very um, that. to do that. So, you know, that it could be really a proxy for them 
looking for meaning and purpose. Yeah. Um, there's also obviously cultural social pressures, right? So like there's a, a lot of uh, uh, these attitudes that it, having children is the morally right way to live. I mean, look at religious uh, like yeah. beliefs around it, right? Like, um, yeah. So yeah, that is also pervasive in society, you know, especially societies that are not pro-choice, you know, that are pro-life, uh-huh. that are wanting you to have... It is in like God's, you know, best, 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 uh, like, uh, I don't know, to like have as many. Best thing you can do is make more Christian babies. Have as many. Make more Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a a critical feminist view too that um, women, you know, have been socialized to value family and children in a way that's meant to kind of console them for the lack of genuine power in other areas. And to kind of bolster their their the culture's uh, rationalization for the oppression of women. Woof. So that's another fun little uh, Dang. perspective. Um, there's also just like a, a self-report bias, right? So there's like a focusing illusion, they call it. Um, so people more easily remember aspects that are consistent with their general beliefs about yeah, a phenomenon. Yeah, totally. So like totally. chil- they believe children bring happiness. They believe I enjoy my kids. So they're going to say. <laughs> children I'm... bring headlights. That yeah. we know statistically. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, this is what's, they're, they're going to maybe report that because they're choosing to focus on that. There's also potentially uh, cognitive dissonance if they're to admit something. Yeah. It's really that they yeah. spend so much time, effort and money in. 100%. They admit that that's not you've, enjoyable. You've in. Yeah. Um, and so. I found that really interesting of like the the data or like the science does not <laughs> like this the the part that really stuck out to me we mentioned it before it's like when Jennifer Garner is saying like do you ever feel like you were put on this earth to do something and like for me that's being a mother and I feel that way I've felt that way for my whole life and I know there's lots right. of people who don't feel that way I will tell you that hit me hard because I've like completely feel that way and it's just so interesting to be like, look at the data. <laughs> As a very data-driven person, like, yeah, there there is way lower life satisfaction. Um, there's also just like some semantics, right? So there there's some like uh, like articles kind of ruminating on like, well, what is life satisfaction? What is happiness? Those are not necessarily the same things. And maybe happiness is more maybe, transient. Maybe, maybe that question about... was just yeah. asked by a recent parent and they were like, what is happiness? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not familiar. What is it? Remind yeah, me. I mean, we talk about it's those like measurement validity, right? So it's like maybe we think we're talking about life satisfaction, but we're talking about happiness as a emotion that waxes and wanes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's some... That is so interesting. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I, I've i had a real shift in this view. Uh, I, I thought for the longest time I was like certain I would have kids. And now, like I'm in my mid-30s and I am single in a way where I'm like, mm, I don't know, making yeah. like and gay, like making a baby happen in my life how, through any means. Ooh, feels like a lot of work right now. And I'm like, I just yeah. finished a lot of grad school and maybe yeah. I'd just like to like hang and, and sleep. I, I feel all of those things too. There's a lot yeah. of like conflict in my brain because I'm like, yeah. I am running out of time actively. But also it's really nice to 
think about myself and like yeah. focus. I mean, there's financial, like, you know, kids are expensive, right? Like kids are expensive. There's so much uh, conflict, I think, between like, yeah, my life is pretty good, though. And I could like have so much more stuff and like go on vacation. I mean, um, like the great thing about like having a dog is like you can just lock it in a cage when you leave. <laughs> you know, and go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, babe. just strap it to the roof of your car. No, like, yeah, you can, like, I mean, I say that using, you know, intense language intentionally. I mean, my dog really likes her crate, but uh, she's in it right now, actually, like six feet away, just silently Aww. napping. Um, but no, like that, like that to me is like with a, with a human child, uh, if you do that, they'll take it away from you. <laughs> right. That's generally frowned upon. I will say too, not to be the person who's like, my dog reminds me of people who have children because I hate that person but also like that's all that's my experience I know I know so many <laughs> listeners who I know I know several have kids that that listen that I know personally and then I'm sure lots that I that we don't know personally also out there have kids uh this is a great one that hopefully people will will give some feedback on their thoughts I would love since to both hear of us are because, kidless yeah um but like the first year of my dog's me having him in his life like it was super challenging. I mean, it's still really challenging, but it was so challenging that well, like. Well, and your dog actually does have special needs. Like that's yes. a real oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Your dog truly does have um, non-euphemistic uh, special needs. He really yeah. requires he... extra time and, and attention and um, and care in ways that is not uh, a, a, of a typical developing dog. Right, which I did not know because I have never had a dog. So I was just like, I'm doing everything wrong. But anyways, like. Right. I will say I was not having a good time all the time to the point where like people were asking me very seriously, like, do you want this dog? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you, are you happy? And it's like, that was a very hard question for me to answer, you know? And I just yeah. feel like, again, not to compare my experience, but it was like this thing that I thought would bring me great joy. And that was very actively not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's true. It's really true. Yeah. Um, children are dogs. That's what the two doctors on this podcast said. <laughs> yeah. And and you know what? Probably dogs are harder. That's... Dogs are tougher. <laughs> the other day, mine barked when I was trying to fall asleep. Like, can you imagine? So rude. Parents so rude. could never. Yeah. Parents could never handle that kind of stress. It. T- I they, mean... She barked twice, and then I had to take her outside, and, and she pooped, and then... I just had her sleep in bed with me, and then she was quiet. So it delayed my sleep, though, by probably 40 minutes. That's I Name know. a parent that lost 40 minutes of sleep. Yeah. You can't. How did you get through the next day? Listen, I had to, I had to put extra eye mask on the next morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I was really, I mean, like seeing Vanessa's journey and relating to it so much and then like doing some research and being like oh this is like a thing you know yeah what is that about um was was really interesting yeah she's so good in this movie I just I was so I mean it yeah I I did not appreciate it the way that I I appreciated her performance now which was just like I could feel her pain her like internal conflict her like disappointment in her husband yeah in a way that didn't make me like be like why is she such a bitch you know yeah I really like felt for her and felt like um I mean I felt for Jason Bateman too in a way of just being like this guy is ill-equipped I mean 
that scene though where like she's talking about her her uh her like life's purpose is to be a mother and Juno asking him if he's like so are you excited to be a father and he's like you know every isn't that what man, everybody wants yeah every man is excited to be a father and you know play ball and do the things the you know coach and the little league or whatever right. and yeah it just it felt like oh damn you know like this is someone who has not thought it through um yeah yeah dang that's super interesting though that research yeah. that is yeah. uh i wonder what my uh what my siblings are are thinking as they listen to this because yeah i wonder what people think about me saying that it's not me i didn't conduct this, this research myself pretty sure you did <laughs> i'm on the paper but i'm not first author you know yeah oh i know just kidding uh but yeah i don't know this movie was so good so good i really did I... not expect it to be as mind-blowing um it is on hulu y'all and it is it's only an hour and 36 minutes yeah it's super doable it's like i i really recommend a rewatch totally uh, especially if you're around our age and, and have seen it when you're uh, i think most Ellie people Page's listening to this age. podcast are somewhere around our age most likely yes. we know, know our demo i know um we have a, pro- a point of view yeah um well i was gonna say great pick but it was mine so <laughs> so great pick me great pick by you yeah um, no, this was a great pick yeah we have uh some comments from some uh, some listeners. So one of our listeners said, uh, just now listening to Now and Then and the discussion of relational aggression. And then says, did you know that relationally aggressive people, not just women, are statistically more likely to also be physically aggressive? So that the narrative that relational aggression uh, is for girls and that it is a singular alternative to how boys bully, like physical aggression, is totally bullshit. It is not an either or, and it's not gender specific. Uh, and then they say, "Love the pod, love you too." Oh um, my god, this is um, <laughs> this is. I just saw this. This is my coworker, uh, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, this Danielle. is a great, great question or a great uh, comment. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm obsessed with this comment, which also I will name like was really surprising to me as somebody who has like taken a lot of social psych, social psych classes has has taught and TA'd social psych classes this is not commonly included in the literature it's at not. all it's not at I all. mean what a like the the agenda to uh, have distinct categories for boys and girls and really separate them and like you know yeah it's... boys boys are like this girls are like this exactly yeah all right Relational... and then we have an audio oh okay Oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, relational aggression is pink, and physical aggression is blue. Totally. Uh, that was super worth you pausing. <laughs> Having me go back inside. Um, okay. I got it. Hello there. Long-time listener, first-time caller. All right. I heard Dr. Joanna say that no one would care about she's the man with amanda Bynes, but i beg to differ i think all of amanda Bynes' um movies would be very welcome to be broken down by you guys specifically my my choice would be sydney white 
um, the retelling of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I would love to hear you guys break that down. That's my special request. Okay. Okay. Love that. First love of all, that. I feel so seen and validated. But Sydney White, I mean, yeah, that would be incredible. These these are like old school fairy tales, though. Oh yeah, like a re- a retelling. Yeah. Well. First of all, let me just call out this listener who's a friend of mine who I love very much and is like an incredibly talented like actor, photographer, comedian. Uh, she's in the movie Sydney White. She's an actor <laughs> in that movie. So, um, so like calling you I out, putting that. you on on blast. Uh, no, uh, I totally agree. I, you know what? I also forgot. So the um, the the person managing the front desk at the woman now abortion clinic. Yeah. Plays Stop it. No, 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 no. In. Oh, my God. She's the man. That's, oh, my God. So, and that, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that Lysandra called in and said this. So, you, uh, because it jogged this memory. So, Eunice from She's the Man is in this movie uh, and is the one who's like, they're boys and Barry, my boyfriend. Like, it makes his junk smell like pie or like okay, whatever so she says. Okay, so the second that you said that, it hit me. Like, it I, hit, didn't I saw realize, it. Oh, my God. That is blowing my freaking And mind. that I looked at her IMDb. Guess how old she was? Oh, she's when she she's played... real. She was like thirty six. She, she was, was like... thirty years old when yeah, she, she played so... this this role in Juno. She was a thirty yeah. year old, and she's playing like an angry nineteen year old. Yeah, and killing it. Yeah, yeah, and she's exceptional. She's Eunice in, um... is one of my favorite characters in anything ever. Ever, ever. She's yeah. Eunice is so good in that, and she's also in um, either a Cinderella story or another Cinderella story. Okay. Either way, fantastic. I forget which. I uh, I will say, so Eunice in She's the Man was supposed to be a character with one line. And no. she nailed it so hard that they were like, we need to give her like a full storyline. Oh my gosh. That's like yeah. the, the thing that every every background actor or everybody with one line is like just totally. holding on to all the time. Totally. Uh, said with love, used to be an actor. I, I was there. I was thinking that same thing. <laughs> All your um, hopes and dreams. Yes. All right. Well, that was this amazing. has been a pleasure. It's been great. It's what been a so, trip. so great. Uh, what a journey. Let's, let's uh, revisit more movies from our Yes. Youth. She's the man. I, I'm i so close to choosing it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's it's a great movie. Um, we'll probably do something more contemporary at some point. But right I, now, we're just digging into these classics. Yeah, I, I keep meaning to get around to it. I look at, you know, when I'm choosing things, and I always end up going older. But it's Same, fine. same. Yeah. Well, there's our outro music, y'all. Oh, I yeah. have been Dr. J.D. Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Witkin. Please rate, review, subscribe. Send us those audio messages or comments uh, with yes. permission to read them aloud. Yes, and please tell a friend we are so close to being uh monetized and commercialized y'all post us on your instagram stories it really does help yeah um even like the five or ten people that might tap it is like not that you have only five or ten followers i know you have thousands everyone but uh (laughs) even if only a few people tap it like that really can make a big difference for us uh, and and can bring us our dream of having just enough money to pay somebody to edit this for us and you know i think it'll be a gift to the listeners too because i think we, it really will we be. know that we're not uh crushing it <laughs> producer wise <laughs> we, we are not but that is because we are not producers uh for but sure. we are being asked to produce we are barely podcasters we are barely podcasters <laughs> but we love you all thank we you for listening you. and yeah. we'll see you next week Bye-bye. bye bye
Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.